This is the Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR with Sean Belegian and former Detroit Lions historian Bill Keenest. Sponsored by your Southeast Michigan Ford dealers. Think Ford first. For all things football this weekend, here's Sean and Bill. Well, good evening. It is indeed a pleasure to be back with you once again this 2022 football season. And it is certainly a pleasure to be with my pal, the one and only Bill Keenis. I'm Sean Belegian. Uh, Brandon Blake, our producer here tonight. Uh, Darren McCarty nicknamed him Brandon Blake, and I'm going to stick with it. Uh, first off, Bill, how are you? Thanks for doing this again this year, man. This is a fun way to wrap up a football weekend. It it is, Sean. It's like we hit the lotto talking about our favorite sport. Well, you, I mean, maybe hockey for you, but uh, at least one of the two. And uh, if if yesterday, with all the upsets in college of historical proportions, and today some of the games don't prove once again why we love this game. Nothing will because uh, what a what a way to start the NFL season. There was Bill. I I know you were busy. We'll get to that momentarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and a lot of Lions fans were kind of licking their wounds. We'll get to that momentarily. Mm-hmm. But there was about a five minute span where there was just craziness going yeah. on in the NFL today. It looked like there was going to be multiple ties. It looked like Cincinnati <laughs> was going to win on the last play of yeah. the game. Then that looked uh, like a tie. And I, I mean, just crazy things happening around the national football league. We did end up seeing a tie, uh, but yeah. certainly some fantastic finishes uh, in those one o'clock games today. There really were Sean. And I mean, I wrote down four teams, the bears. Did anyone give them a shot? No. Against the 49ers. No. The Vikings. I mean, they're beating the Packers 23 to seven, right? It's not even close from what I've been able to watch the Steelers. Now that was one of those games where, why do you think they call them special teams, right? Where the Bengals, all they needed was a extra point with no time left and they didn't convert. And then the Browns, the Browns go and and the game, I believe was in Charlotte and and they beat the Panthers and their former quarterback on a last second field goal, um, and that's not even all of it. Um, but uh, what a what a way to start! And you're right. Um, you know, we did have one tie, and uh, and we could have had a couple uh, actually. But uh, what a way to start! And it just it once again proves what we say every year, if not every weekend, it's a one score game, and the team that usually makes one or two more plays for the most part is the team that wins. And uh, we saw that a lot today. Saw it in the Lions game as well. Yep. No doubt about that. Uh, Unfortunately, the Lions fall uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles today. Uh, Bummer to say the least. Um, you, You know, what was fresh in my mind, Bill, is the way that the Eagles really came in here. You might remember last Halloween and and just pounded the Lions. Now, Mm -hmm. On one side of the ball today, the Eagles were getting work done running the ball. But if you need any evidence that this is an, a, an improved Lions team, don't take my word for it. Jalen Hurts was talking that up after the game. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Bill, a little bit in one capacity or the other, and we're talking about a different outcome yeah. in this game. I mean, the Lions hung with them. 
uh, put up a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter if they could have gotten one more stop, yeah. you know. And that's that's a game of football, let's be honest. Right. One more stop, one more completion, mm-hmm. one more this, one more that. We might be looking at a different game, but uh, the Lions fall 38-35 to 35, mm-hmm. uh, to the Eagles. There were some positives to take mm-hmm. out of this. I, I really, Bill, I mean this. I think this team is heading in the right direction. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen as quickly as, you know, certainly mm-hmm. fans, including myself, want it to happen. Mm-hmm. But I really do feel they're heading in the right direction. I don't think there's any question, Sean. And what impressed me today, and again, I didn't watch the Lions game. I was working the uh, New England-Miami game. But what impressed me today was what I didn't hear from the head coach, Dan Campbell, after the game. Now, I haven't heard or read all of his comments, but what I heard was not, you know, I was so proud of how we come back. Yeah, all that. The moral victory stuff. Yep. Um, A loss is a loss. And the team, once they cross that threshold where um, we're not satisfied, I don't care what we did in the fourth quarter. We didn't win the game. And I, I sense that's what you've got. That's a huge difference from last year. And that's the way the team has to evolve that no pats on the back for, for losing a game, essentially Um, take the good. And there was a lot of it and use it to springboard you into your first victory, perhaps next week against Washington. I loved, I, I, I will echo your sentiments all the way. I loved some of the stuff that, that coach Campbell had to say, mm-hmm. Bill, he, he, he went out of his way to say he, he can't tolerate the undisciplined stuff yep. and you know, that, that extracurricular stuff. Mm-hmm. And Hey, that was last year. I think everybody knew that this team yeah. was going to be up against it last year mm-hmm. and they were going to do their best to try to change that culture. I, I mm-hmm. think that culture is well on its way. I, I, I really do. It's easy to say that from a distance, but boy, it, it sure looks that way. And mm-hmm. y- you know, to me, there isn't a moral victory. You've got to find no. a way to turn some of these games into mm-hmm. W's. Is it yeah. a better performance than we saw against Philadelphia last year? And I might add mm-hmm. a pretty darn good Philadelphia team, of course. But it's about W's now. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I I do believe that the fans that left the stadium today um, are encouraged. They're not satisfied with the loss, but they were very encouraged with what they saw and that's great for the fans. That's great for the for the next home game, potentially getting another good crowd to uh, to show up and support the team. But no, I I agree with you. I think the most important thing is to accept nothing short of winning. That's why you play the game. That's what Herm Edwards told us years ago, right? <laughs> but it's true. That's why it doesn't matter if you come close, as Dan has said. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's still a loss in the loss column. Um, so take take the good, and like we said, there's a lot of it, and Dan's already identified some of the, the problem areas, which allows him to coach coach him up this week. And uh, and then, you know, a, a week from today, we'll be talking, and, and hopefully it'll be about a victory and not a, not a close loss. Yeah, the Lions uh, fall today uh, by a score of 38 to 35. Uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, as you mentioned, boy, I, it just, you've been around a long, long yeah. time and around this team a long, long mm-hmm. time. I i really don't remember a lot of seasons where the Lions started with their first two games at home. They host right. Washington next week. Bill, I, yeah. 
Boy, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my memory. It just seems like the Lions were always on the road to start the season. And well, two in a row, it's incredible. Yeah, well, you're right, Sean. And quite frankly, part of that was because we wanted to be when the season opened on Labor Day. And the NFL season, it just changed a few years ago. Labor Day was the opening weekend. And with the reality of living in the state of Michigan, as we do, that's the last weekend that so many families and fans and, you know, they head up north for that one final weekend. Because back then, school started after Labor Day. Yep. So we believed that our attendance would be hurt. The TV ratings would be hurt. Um, because, you know, summers are short <laughs> enough as it is in our state and people weren't taking that one last trip to get that one last taste of summer before fall hits us. And uh, we, we kept telling them like that. So when the schedules were made back, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, into the 2000s, it was not uncommon for us to literally request to be on the road that first week. And now with the schedule starting, um, after Labor Day, uh, it really doesn't have the same impact. And truthfully, the league saw a few years ago when it changed, it it had to do with a college bowl schedule on New Year's weekend. So it wasn't so much that the NFL was proactive and said, you know, we're just going to change this. But it was initially done as a one-season deal to respect our network partners and help them with their college bowl schedule. And then what happened? Attendance was up, ratings were up, and it was what we had been saying here in in Detroit for all those years. So uh, I think it's, and I I love, I really do love the fact that the players get two weeks off before the opening game. I think that's important from a health and safety standpoint. They've been going all off season, preseason, mini camps, training camps, all that. So I think I think the schedule's pretty attractive right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Lions at home the first two weeks. Uh, by the way, love, love, love to let you know what's going on uh, right now in the National Football League. We'll do that very quickly uh, before we hit our first mm-hmm. break. Uh, Bill, as you mentioned, the Vikings are all over the Packers, wow. twenty-three to seven, both sides mm-hmm. of the ball. Uh, the Giants have just taken the lead on the Titans late. Mm-hmm. It is twenty-one twenty. With a minute six seconds there, uh, Kansas City all over the Cardinals, forty-four to twenty-one. Patrick Mahomes, thirty to thirty-nine, three hundred and sixty <laughs> yards, five touchdowns. Amazing! Well, welcome back, Amazing. Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Holy mackerel! Chargers have the lead late on the Raiders uh, by a score of twenty-four to nineteen. Of course, the game tonight, Cowboys and Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be a good one on NBC, and only one. Monday night game this week. Right. They have the doubleheader next week, Broncos mm-hmm. and Seahawks. Uh, Bill, got to take our break. When we mm-hmm. come back, uh, we want to look back now 21 years. I Boy, mm-hmm. that was uh, something that we'll never, ever, ever forget. And, Bill, I know you mm-hmm. have some thoughts on that, some mm-hmm. discussion about the college football weekend mm-hmm. and our adopted high school football team. I would be remiss. If I didn't mention a certain high school football team, Bill Keenest, and I know when I mention them, <laughs> oh, yeah. it brings a smile to your face to be sure. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. It is gridiron rap on a Sunday night. He's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. This 
is Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR. It's another great football weekend, and whatever you missed, we've got you covered. The Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR. Sponsored by your Southeast Michigan Ford dealers. Think Ford first. Here's Sean Belegian and Bill Keenest. Welcome back. It is Gridiron Wrap here on a Sunday night. So glad you could join us. He is Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. Here on 760 WJR, uh, Bill, obviously we're talking about uh, some great things that are happening in Mm -hmm. the world of football, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, just that horrible day for everybody. Uh, Mm -hmm. 21 years ago, it sounds weird even saying that, 21 years ago, uh, the Lions opened up on Sunday. It Mm -hmm. was the first game of the Matt Millen era. Mm-hmm. And then there was a two-week delay because of the yeah. terrible tragedy that was 9-11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, Sean. And, and uh, it is hard to believe it's been that long. There's so many reminders. Obviously, the way the world's changed, the way we all have changed with respect to uh, what's, you know, what's stricter now from a security standpoint for, for all the good reason. Um, but, I, uh, yeah, we did. We opened in Green Bay, lost to the Packers. And then we came back to open the season at home against Dallas, actually. And it was going to be a sold-out crowd and, you know, big game. And uh, Marty Morningweg was – it was Tuesday, and he was up in the old press lounge of the Silverdome where we were taping his his weekly show, uh, a segment. Uh, I believe Dan Miller – was uh was up there was hosting it and um when we were there we had just barely started to roll tape and um and then we got the word and then it was it was like we were all zombies just walking around not knowing how to react not knowing when to react and um it it gosh did it have an impact on obviously not only sports world but everybody and you know the one thing that uh, that there's a lot of memories about it. How the NFL took the week off uh, wisely, so and then came back the following week. We came back to play in Cleveland, <laughs> and um, and I really believe that if we didn't have the two week uh, disruption, um, Charlie Batch would have remained the quarterback. It's just a gut feeling because, as you recall. We had those two weeks, and maybe Marty had a little more time to think about things, not not speaking for him. But he made a decision to change quarterbacks after one game. And Ty Detmer uh, started the game in Cleveland. Um, now, what I remember, I remember two things from that game. Obviously, when the, the, the players ran out of the tunnel with the flag, it was chilling. It was goosebumps tears in your eyes, everything. And everybody in the stadium was unified. Every player on the field was unified for that moment. And then, uh, and then the game starts, which was a return to normalcy. As so many people said, once the game started again, you know, major league baseball, college, high school football, the NFL, um, it really did create a unity in the country. I don't think anybody would ever argue that. And, uh, and then the the one thing I remember from a sports world standpoint, one of the greatest things I've ever seen was when President Bush threw out the first pitch at the at the World Series. Yeah, and 
he went up on the mound, which nobody does, right? You stand in front of the mound. But, nope, he's going to go up on the mound. And he fired that ball right across the plate in the eruption. And I get chills thinking about it today. And I think most Americans do. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a sombering, historical, all those things, uh, you know, day that was. And uh, there's still reminders of, uh, you know, why we're so fortunate. And uh, those that perished in that were heroes beyond reproach. I mean, just to give your life for your, ultimately for your country and for your fellow man is what they did. Bill, the thing that I remember in, in keeping with the sporting thing was the next time that I went to uh, mm-hmm. a, a game and, and how mm-hmm. everything changed. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I remember being, I was at mm-hmm. Michigan Stadium when the college came back. As you mentioned, you guys were on the road. I was at Michigan Stadium yeah. when, when the colleges came back. And normally there are planes crisscrossing the sky yeah. with the banners and everything, and mm-hmm. there wasn't anything up there. And no. I, it just seemed eerie. And I remember sitting in the stadium and thinking to myself, you know, this is like, not to be morbid, Black Sunday. Things yeah. that you never, ever right. talked about. And for yeah. the younger people out there, like mm-hmm. Blake, perhaps, that was a movie where, mm-hmm. you know, terrorists used a blimp yeah. and decided that they were going to uh, attack the Super Bowl. And, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you were thinking of things that you never, yeah. ever thought before. And, and that right. was just such a weird, weird feeling. It really was. And I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this last season. Sean was what um, ten years earlier uh, the Super Bowl in Tampa, yeah, Desert Storm, mm-hmm. and I worked that Super Bowl, and uh, that was the first because we were at war. We were at war, and that was the first Super Bowl where there was a significantly different security approach for everybody. Yeah, you know the fans, the media, everybody, and as I. I'm sure I mentioned once or twice on the show um, that was the Whitney Houston Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we were told uh, Thursday night by the producer of the pregame show and the anthem to make sure that we're on the roof of the press box in the old Tampa Stadium at 6.18 p.m. Because that is when the anthem's going to be sung. And the reason why we were up there is because the old Tampa stadium, everything was enclosed. I mean, it was tight as a drum. You couldn't hear much of anything that was going on outside. So I had made plans to go up there and I'm thinking it's just a roof, right? It's just a roof. And there was a ladder, a still rung ladder, like climbing up into your attic to go up there. And when my head reached the base of that roof and there was a hundred military personnel there mm in full uniform, lying prone with bazookas and radar and sonar and machine guns with binoculars just panning the airspace. And then in the perimeter was helicopters just circling the stadium. And I'm getting chills right now because that was the first true introduction, at least in my in my life, that I had to war. I mean, I grew up in the 60s when Vietnam was there. But that was real. I could see it. I could touch it. And then 9-11 happens. And our children go through that. And it was so vivid. And it was so life-altering and life-changing. I don't think we can or, or will ever forget the uh, the heroic response 
that so many men and women gave to that event. And, uh, and gosh, I just hope and pray that, uh, every nine 11, we, we, you know, bow with a profound debt of gratitude to everyone that, that served in their own way on that day and for days to come after that. Yeah. Well said, no doubt about that. All right, it is break time, uh, 7.30 here. Gridiron Wrap, our inaugural show, will be with you until the Super Bowl as we were last year. His name is Bill Keenis. I'm Sean Belegian. Bill, I want to get your take when we come back on mm-hmm. hard knocks. I think mm-hmm. that's the first question. I want to get your mm-hmm. take because uh, if people aren't aware of this, mm-hmm. you're very media savvy, and I, I mean that uh, with a tip of the cap to say the very least. And then I have a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. What took the Lions so long <laughs> to get on hard knocks? Yeah, Bill Keenis will answer that when we come back. Yep. Uh, don't you go anywhere. So glad you could join us on a Sunday night here on 760 WJR. Now, on with a gridiron wrap on 760 WJR. Here's Sean Belegian and Bill Keenist. Welcome back in to gridiron wrap here on 760 WJR. Uh, Bill, I, I was telling you during the break, full disclosure. Um, so we've been dealing with hard knocks for many, many years now. Right. And uh, I watched it religiously uh, the mm-hmm. first, I would say, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and then, as I told you, full disclosure, it, it kind of became old hat to me. And I, I, I check out an episode here, check out an episode yeah. there. When it was announced the Lions were on, of course, mm-hmm. I was all in like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it is amazing, the cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And, and another reason why, regardless of what your favorite sport is in, in, in the world, mm-hmm. uh, the NFL is king. This is mm-hmm. just something that, Bill, it has blown up. It really has, Sean. And I, I think over the years, I mean, Hard Knocks first year, was also 2001, as yep. I recall. Yep. So that's over 20 years. And if we look at the if we look at the the league back then, and more impactful, I think, is to look at the the social media world. The media world um, today is so much different than even 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. There are very few things that are behind the curtain and stay behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, and I do know that, you know, back in that era, I'm just assuming this, but I believe it to be true. Um, there were more old school coaches um, that were more traditional. And I mean, you didn't, you didn't tell somebody what the time of day was <laughs> if you're a coach, let alone allow them to come in to the meeting rooms and, you know, the the cafeteria and, and behind the scenes, the training room, the weight room, that never happened. And so coaches in most sports, but certainly NFL, very traditional, very regimented, very routine. And anything that doesn't follow that is considered a disruption. So you you, you place that here, and then you've got the reality that any team with new coaches are not eligible. So let's see. 2001, we had a new coach. 2003, we had a new coach. 2006, we had a new coach. 2009, we had a new coach. So we sort of self, you know, regulated our ability to be on there. Okay. Um, But then, you know, we made the playoffs a few times. 2011, 
2014, 2016. And that allowed you not to be uh, eligible. But this past year, there were only, I believe, three teams eligible. And I think you, in our case, in the Lions case, you really did have the right head coach and Dan Campbell. Sure. I mean, everybody across the country will agree with that. Um, he was absolutely the right head coach. Now, if you were to ask me, am I convinced Dan wanted to do it? Ah! <laughs> I wouldn't say he did necessarily. I don't think he was knocking on, you know, Roger's door <laughs> in the Aussies. Hey, hey, commissioner, tell you, tell those people at HBO I want to be on. <laughs> but um, because Dan, you know, he's a he's a Bill Parcells disciple. I mean, that's who he played with. And that's who a lot of his, you know, approach comes from. Uh, one of the best of all time. And Bill was real traditional, very secretive, and, and not one that would have welcomed that. Um, but once it became clear that the lines were going to be on, I think Dan, if anybody, was able to use it as a positive. What does that mean? I'm not sure. But he definitely made it where, hey, Let's embrace this. It's not a deterrent. It's not a distraction. The whole country is going to know about us. And in many ways, Sean, that holds players more accountable. Sure. I mean, for years, why did the Lions play supposedly better on Thanksgiving? Oh, boy, the whole world's watching. We better. I mean, you're, you're human, you know. You're human. You're not a robot. You're not a computer that just reacts. You have a human reality. So when you know the whole world's watching – as we did for years on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, you may play better. Not not consciously necessary, but you do. And I think the hard knocks reality um, had the same impact potentially. Um, and the team knew it was on display, you know, and it, it really did nationally um, create a lot of new Lion fans. And it, it, I mean, so many people are impressed with Dan Campbell as a, as a guy. You know, as a blue collar, shoot them straight. They love that approach. So why did it take so long? There's a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. But this will probably be one of the best things the team did from a, you know, PR standpoint, from a, a reach standpoint. Now, the key is to take that and help use it in a positive way on the field. Yeah. Because the other reality is, and it's because of the criteria as well, why teams that are on are basically 500 teams the following season. So it doesn't guarantee anything because teams that have made the playoffs the previous two years aren't on. Teams with new coaches, and there's a transition there, they're not on. But in the second year of a new coach, i.e. the Lions and Dan, um, you're still building, you're still you know, trying to get to where you want to be someday. So um, it isn't a guarantee for success, but I think any good that can come out of it, it will come out of it for this year's team, primarily, uh, absolutely because of the head coach. You know, Bill, I, there was one year that I thought the lines would have been perfect for it. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I'll be interested to, to hear if you agree with me. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2010, it was year yeah. two of mm -hmm. Coach Schwartz, mm -hmm. and the Lions won their last four games to yeah. uh, finish the season six and ten. Yeah. And many times, many times, we saw mm -hmm. the Lions win those games mm -hmm. down the stretch and didn't mean anything mm -hmm. moving forward. 
I felt the difference in mm-hmm. 2010 were some of those games were against teams where it meant something. That game yeah. meant something to the Packers, who, by the way, went and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. That game meant something to, I think Tampa was still playing for something. Miami yeah. was playing for something. And you had the feeling that the mm-hmm. Lions were going to be better yeah. in 2011. Now, did anybody yeah. think that they'd be as good as they were? And that was mm-hmm. a pretty darn good team. Make no yeah. mistake about it. Right. Um, I thought that team would have been perfect. I remember yeah. vividly talking about it on my radio show at the time going, <laughs> boy, the Lions would be perfect for yeah. hard knocks. And it just didn't happen. But no. that may have been the one year where mm-hmm. it, it, it could have fit. I don't know. No, I agree with you. And now, that being said, who was Jim Schwartz's biggest influence at that stage of the career? It was really Bill Belichick. Yeah, you're right. Because Bill right. gave him that job in Cleveland. And, um, I mean, Bill and Jim were really close when uh, Jim got the job with the Lions. Um, so I think Jim had that same mentality that most of the coaches did back then. That most of the coaches, certainly the the, the old school type uh what's going to be a distraction and blah 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 but you're right that season at the end of that year when we won those last four games um I don't know if you recall you mentioned Tampa Bay and Green Bay well we go to Tampa with one of the longest road losing streaks in team history if not the longest (laughs) okay we play Tampa they're in the they're in the, the hunt for the playoffs we tie the game on a on the last play with the field goal, we win the game in overtime with the field goal to beat the Bucs. Mm-hmm. Tampa and Green Bay end with the same record that year. But because we beat Tampa, they lost a tiebreaker. If if Tampa had beaten us, Green Bay doesn't even make the playoffs. Isn't that crazy? And guess what Green Bay did that year? They won the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah. So that's another, you've got to be kidding me. If yeah. that field goal on the last play regulation goes wide, right, or left, Tampa wins the game. Packers don't make the Super Bowl. Don't make the playoffs. Isn't that crazy? Um, so yeah, I think that would have been that would have been, I mean, a, a great, a great team. A lot of characters. Um, but you know, I'm sure I'm sure this year's uh, you know, hard knocks will live for many years in the hearts and minds of, of Lions fans, no doubt. That was a busy time for you. I, I correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Bill, but I, I'm I'm having flashbacks as yeah. we have uh, this very conversation. Wasn't mm-hmm. that around the time where they had to move the Vikings game to Ford yeah. Field? Yeah. And yeah. the big yeah. story was Brett Favre not playing. Yeah. It was that was his first game that he missed forever. Yeah, forever. And our staff worked that game, and it was a bitterly frigid night and there was an ice storm the day of the and it was bizarre seeing it was the giants and the vikings i think is who yep. played in that game yep. and it was just bizarre seeing two different nfl teams on the field um but I, I stayed and helped out and i left late and one thing i did um that uh i probably couldn't find it today unfortunately, but I walked through the locker room. The The Vikings had the home locker room, I believe, had our locker room. And sitting on a, on a table was the the deactivation sheet that you have to submit before, at the 90-minute officials meeting. So you list which players are not are going to be deactivated for the game. And there was Brett Favre. Wow. 
yeah, and I thought I should have taken that, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, but anyways, yeah, that was that was something. That yeah. was something. No yeah. doubt about it. Hey, one more segment to go. Yep. As I mentioned, we got to talk some college football. The new mm-hmm. rankings came mm-hmm. out. Uh, I have to talk a little high school football there you as go. well. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. So glad you could join us Sunday night. Brandon Blake, Bill Keenis, yours truly, Sean Belegian. It is Gridiron Rap here on 760 WJR. 760 WJR. This is the Gridiron Rap. Here's Sean Belegian. All right, just a quick update. Uh, a shocker down in Tennessee. I'm with you, Bill. Yeah. The Giants knock off the Titans 21 to 20. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That's a bit of a shocker there. Yeah, there were a handful of uh, first year, first game head coaches win, to get, win today. The Bears, Vikings, Giants. Um, I know I'm missing a couple, but uh, how about that? Now, that game, too, Sean, like the Bengals lost came down to a missed field goal the titans had a makeable field goal at the end but they uh they missed it so uh special teams <laughs> had a big role in the in the games today no question vikes end up beating the packers 23 to 7 packers just did not look good there's no, no. other way to say that no. chiefs all over the cardinals 44 21 chargers knock off the raiders 24 to 19 uh tonight we've got uh the dallas cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tomorrow night. We've got the Broncos more on the Broncos with an H in a moment and the Seahawks. Uh, But Bill, you, you brought up an interesting point about the much maligned Mitch Trubisky. You know, did any quarterback have the Lions number more than Mitch the last three or four years? It's amazing. And it was uh, Mitch could always beat the Lions, right? Well, maybe, maybe Mitch has something for the animal kingdom. Because today he, he took his new team into the, the jungle and beat the Bengal Tigers uh, that nobody gave them a chance to beat. No. I spent a few days in Pittsburgh this past week, and they're always excited about the start of this dealer season. But going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals uh, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and a new quarterback, uh, no way. But special teams and, and Mitch. And you know what? There was one play that I saw a highlight of where I'm not sure what, what point in the game, but it led to a first down, a big play and, and the defender had Trubisky all lined up and Mitch just made an athletic spin move. And that escapability, um, that athletic ability to use your feet when you have to, that we saw a lot with him in Chicago allowed him to, to buy some time. And he made a, a pass completion and, and extended the drive that may have led to points. So, uh, It'll be interesting to see how he does. Although I did uh, learn or I, I heard that uh, TJ Watt may be out for an extended period of time with a torn pec muscle. And uh, how important is that guy? He only had three sacks today. <laughs> and uh, Unbelievable. So that's really, really a, a devastating loss for the Steelers defense. Uh, some college football news quickly. Uh, Scott yeah. Frost fired from Nebraska. Yeah. They lost wow. to Georgia Southern. It just didn't happen there. There's no other no. way to say that. Uh, Michigan State moves up to number 11 in uh-huh. the AP Top 25, move up to number nine in the coaches' poll. Michigan uh, remains at number four and number five in mm-hmm. the coaches' poll. Uh, Blake, I need to ask you very quickly. You're our resident Michigan fan. I'll take care of the Spartan side of things. Uh your take quickly on what you've seen from Michigan so far. I mean, 
Well, it looks like going forward, JJ is going to be the starter. And I think that that's the right move. He has played much better than Cade. And uh, I said to a couple friends, if they aren't 11-0 going into the Ohio State game, I'll be disappointed, Mm. personally. Mm. Gotcha. That'll be interesting. Of course, Michigan State, we'll find out a lot more about Michigan State. They got a tough one. Washington looking good. And, of course, Mm -hmm. that game can be heard right here on 760 WJR. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Wayne State Warriors won their home opener last night. Uh, A nice win over Shaw by a score of 30 to 22 back at home at Tom Adams uh, Mm -hmm. this Saturday as they take on Wisconsin lacrosse. And I mentioned the Broncos, Bill. These are the Broncos with an H. They are Holly, Holly Broncos. The Holly Uh, Broncos. uh, Yeah. Coach Keen is doing some work there. Yeah, it's been a it's been a wonderful start. We uh, we played arguably the best team in the Flint Metro Friday night, uh, Schwartz Creek. And I'm telling you, any football fan out there that hasn't seen a wing T offense run, uh, do yourself a favor because you'll still be looking for the ball. I'm telling you, um, we we played them really tough. One score game going into the fourth quarter, and then they pulled away. But the wing tee, there's no wide receiver set wide. Everything's tight. Three running backs behind the quarterback. And I'm telling you, I'm on the sidelines, and I heard an official multiple times say, I couldn't find the ball. <laughs> so if the officials can't find the ball, it's hard for the defenders. But it's a, it's a, you know, it's a usually one time every so many seasons you'll play a team that has that type of offense. And, uh, I remember when when uh, my son was playing at Oxford, Holly ran that type of offense. And I, I think Coach Bud Riley would have the scout team offense practice with a little Nerf ball. So the defense had to just concentrate even more who was getting the ball because it was that much smaller. And um, I remember a team back in the 90s, I think it was Marine City, that ran the wing tee, perennial playoff team. But they would also wear brown T-shirts <laughs> under their uniform that, that camouflaged the ball even more. And uh, you couldn't see it, you know, no matter if you had a, you know, a telescope, you couldn't see the ball. So I think the uh, MHSAA outlawed any type of, you know, clothing that would potentially create a, an advantage like that. But, uh, yeah, it was it was quite a game. And I'm telling you, football fans. Go watch a game where the wing tees on display. It's it's fascinating. Well, it's off to they're off to a good start. Make no mistake yes. about that. They're two and one. Uh, obviously, not looking ahead. They'll leave that to those of us in the media uh, mm-hmm. looking to get in the playoffs. Uh, they'll be in action. Uh, Bill, I have a feeling you might be uh, on the road this Friday with yeah. the boys <laughs> as they as they take on Linden. No doubt, Linden was the big rival when they were in high school. Um, when they played for Oxford, Linden, three straight years, the game came down to overtime. Um, so that, that I'm sure my son will have uh, some fond memories of those games. And uh, yeah, nothing like Friday night lights, Sean. It's, it's awesome. the best. Go Broncos. Best. Looking forward to yep. seeing how that plays out. Bill, always a pleasure. It flies mm-hmm. by, but thank you as always. Look forward to doing it next week. Uh, Brandon Blake, thank you for everybody involved. My name is Sean Belegian saying, have yourselves a fantastic evening.